Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today, we're going to be talking with Coach Harvey Hyde here on the pod, on the Peristyle Podcast. He's talking all about USC football, a little bit of recruiting stuff, impact of the Rams coming to Los Angeles. So we've got a lot of stuff to get to, a lot of your questions. If you want to send us in a question or a comment, email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. You can also leave us a voicemail a couple different ways, and we do have a voicemail for you today, uh, you can call us at 641-715-3900, extension 816-646, or give us a, uh, or you can go to our website, excuse me, peristylepodcast.com, click on the left side of the page and leave a voicemail right from your computer or mobile device. If you're on iTunes, go to itunes.com slash peristylepodcast. You can subscribe to the show, rate the show, leave comments, uh, and our direct URL, like I said, is itunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. Let's bring in the coach, Harvey Hyde, at Coach Harvey Hyde on Twitter. What's up, Coach? How you doing? Ryan, happy Martin Luther King Day. It's a holiday for everybody but you and I. I don't never, (laughs) you know, it's it's really funny, you know, when you're in coaching or broadcasting or the entertainment world or whatever, you really don't have a holiday. You play games on uh, holidays, you work on holidays, and if you don't get it done on a holiday, you're just behind. But for all of you out there that are kicking back and enjoying it, you've got the fireplace burning and you're just enjoying it, man, I'm proud of you. Take advantage of it because someday maybe I will be able to. Yeah, happy uh, Martin Luther King Day to everyone. And we do. We work a lot of holidays, Coach. I guess that's the nature of the business. And um, even more, I guess, a little ironic, I'll give you a little behind-the-scenes, behind-the-curtain stuff. Uh, just I have a new office I am uh I opened up in, uh, you know, near my house and uh, I'm in Redondo, the office is in Redondo Beach. So we're going to try to make it like a podcast studio recording the podcast. So it's not quite set up there, coach. So it's a little different setup than what I have in my spare bedroom in my house. So we're trying to make it a little more professional. So we're going to keep working on that in the, uh, the coming weeks. But the, I guess the ironic thing is like I'm, I normally work at home and on Martin Luther King Day, I'm actually driving into an office to go to work. So, uh, it's, it's a little bit different, but yeah, most people, Got the day off, Coach, just not us. Well, I was talking to your wife. She thought it was a good idea you find an office. <laughs> she told me that, you know, it's time for you to go to work, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, well, good. I'm glad you have a new office. And one of these days, I want to come down there. We'll go to lunch, sit around, talk, and, uh, you know, just have a good time. That would be great, Coach. would love that. Um, wanted to thank our sponsor before we jump in any further. Southern California tickets, sctickets.com. Give them a call at 1-800-888-7287. If you need tickets for anything, you want to go to upcoming Kings game, Ducks game, Clippers, Lakers for the Kobe farewell tour, any of that kind of stuff. Football is just about over, but you can get Super Bowl tickets and stuff there too. Playoff tickets, go to sctickets.com and they will hook you up. And, uh, super speaking of the Super Bowl, now, Los Angeles is getting a team, Coach. Getting the Los Angeles Rams coming back. Maybe the Chargers. If not them, maybe in a year the Raiders. 
Um, there's some, so, but right now we know for sure the, the St. Louis Rams are now the Los Angeles Rams again. They're coming back to LA. Um, and we did have a, a voicemail question about that coach. We wanted to get your thoughts. So, uh, I'm going to play this for you right now and then get your thoughts on it. Hey guys, this is Daniel in Los Angeles again. Uh, I know you're probably tired of me calling by now, <laughs> but I love the Perry style. Um, just a quick question, general question for anyone to answer. To answer. Um, Rams coming to the U, the, the Coliseum, uh, how much of a boost do you think that would be for uh, USC recruiting? Um, imagine being able to go out around the country in California and tell these guys, hey, you can play underneath NFL scouts, uh, NFL facilities uh, on a weekly basis um, in the shadow of all these guys. You know, they'll be watching you play because if you think about it, scouts from other teams will be in that weekend to watch the Rams play on Sunday. So the scouts won't be just, they'll be there for other teams on Saturdays and Sundays. So they might be there to check out USC playing football. I'm just assuming, I don't know how all that works. I would just assume that way if they're putting up that uh, talent level in the football team. So how, how, how big of a chance would that to be for Clay Hilton and the, the staff to go around the country saying, Hey, you know, that the, the, the uh, NFL recruiting scouts are right here. They're already, they'll be looking at you and from day one. Um, if it works like that, like I said, I think that's a great opportunity if it is. And then the money the Rams generate for USC to play inside of the Coliseum. Um, I think it all can work out really, really good. Um, so we'll see, though. All right, guys, you, you have a great uh, weekend. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it's exciting in Southern California with the uh, Los Angeles Rams coming back. Uh, the Rams have been gone for 21 years. I never really felt comfortable calling them the St. Louis Rams. And uh, I think uh, Los Angeles is excited. As far as helping uh, Clay Helton in recruiting and that, I don't think that'll make a lot of difference because the NFL spends a lot of money in, in scouting. I mean, they start scouting these players even when they're in high school. They have all these different camps they attend. They have all the games. They have NFL scouting day at all of the campuses. Uh, they have all these different all-star games, the Senior Bowl and all of the above, where they have a chance to scout all these players. Uh, as far as the Rams and the Coliseum, I think it'll bring the Coliseum revenues that they need to renovate their uh, their facility. I think that's going to be good. It's going to be a home for the Los Angeles Rams for at least two years, maybe three years. Who knows? But as far as helping them recruit, I'm not quite sure that's what makes the difference as far as uh, attending USC. What makes the difference in attending USC, first of all, is it's USC. Secondly, yes, it is playing in the Coliseum. It's the uh, environment, winning and losing. It's, uh, of course, how many first-rounders you get drafted and uh, have drafted and all of the above. And you watch them play on Sunday, as we've watched this past Sunday, a lot of Emerson Griffin and a lot of these players uh, playing. You say, wow, look how good he is. And you remember that these are all USC players out there, Carson Palmer yesterday. Uh, these players are all former Trojans. That's what helps you in recruiting. It's not necessarily the team that's playing in the Coliseum. It's the players that you've been able to place in the NFL. So uh, I think people are excited. I think it's going to be another competitive dollar for USC and UCLA and the Lakers and the Clippers and the Kings. There's another uh, mouth in town to feed, and the NFL will not hold back in what they need to do to attract season ticket holders and the whole package. 
So I think it's going to be a, a challenge, too, as far as, remember, people can only afford to attend just so many events. And the events they're going to attend are the events and teams that win. So I think this, uh, if anything, puts more pressure on UCLA and USC, the local two college football teams, to have successful programs. Because people, you don't want to give them an option that, well, this year I'm not going to buy USC tickets, I'm going to buy Los Angeles Rams tickets. So I think it's going to be very important that the Trojans put a product on the field, that people say, yes, I'm going to stay with what I want, and I'll attend a Ram game occasionally, but I'm not buying season tickets. And when you look at the marketing dollars that are out there and advertisers, there's only so many dollars that people have to spend. So, you know, you want to be in all venues, so you start negotiating more with the different venues, the Rose Bowl, the Coliseum, the new Ram Stadium, and you start to say, well, you know, I can't spend this much, and this is how much this used to cost me this, but this is what I want to pay for it now. So they start to put the squeeze on you, but there's other people in, in town. So it's going to be a fight for all three programs, as far as the football programs, to get the advertising dollar, dollar and then not also the Radio and TV rights here locally, as far as the radio rights. There's going to be a battle there on who will be able to secure the Los Angeles Rams uh, team. Because, again, uh, that station will have something that another station does not have. So there's a lot going on. And, of course, if you think about the Chargers coming up, too, do the Chargers want to be number two to the Rams? Because... In Los Angeles, it's the Lakers and it's the Clippers. Now, I don't know if you're a Clipper fan or if you're a Laker fan, but it's known as a Laker city. Yeah, well, it's going to be known as a Ram city. And the uh, Chargers, uh, I think they should negotiate this possible advantage they have uh, with the Rams to get something in San Diego. But who knows what's going to happen? So, uh, you know, we'll just have to... See, and then if another mouth comes here, another baby's born, and the charges are here, now there's more additional dollars that, hey, fans are going to have to decide, advertisers are going to have to decide on what way they're going to go. Obviously, in a venue such as the new Rams Stadium, you'll get two NFL teams in there playing, one on the road, one at home, so your dollar might go a little bit farther. But these are all things that are going on and being negotiated now, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, I agree with the coach. And, uh, just so people know, um, well, for scout.com, they have a, uh, they had a Ram site for St. Louis. Now that the Rams are moving to LA, they've actually asked me to take over the Los Angeles Rams site for scout.com. So we have a new site that's up now, uh, laramsreport.com. So it's laramsreport.com. So you can go check it out. We got the message boards kind of going already. We'll start doing content. I need to hire a, a writer and all that kind of stuff. So it should be, it should be really interesting. Um, but right now the plan is for the first three years to play in the Coliseum. Um, and I think it's a boost for USC as far as revenue goes. If the, the Clippers come, I mean the Clippers, excuse me, the Chargers come, uh, there would, you know, be an additional boost in revenue from that. The problem is, um, I'm not sure as far as like, it's not like USC players can, you know, you can have a recruit on campus and go walk across the street and watch the Rams like training. There's no training facilities or anything near the Coliseum. So this is for the Coliseum now. It's basically uh, a place to play and they need to have all their support staff training. A lot of kind of stuff has to be somewhere 
in the city and they haven't set any of that up yet. Obviously they, you know, this just occurred last week. So there's a lot of work to be done to bring them here. But yeah, having the, the games in the Coliseum is nice. I don't know if you remember back in the day when the Raiders came down, coach, um, they only played their, their home games at the Coliseum. Every, they kept training and everything else. All the offices were back in Oakland. So it was kind of like they played road games every day. Um, back in 84 or whatever, I forget which year it was, uh, when that, when that happened with the Raiders came down. Now the Rams are going to move, but it's not like the Coliseum has all these facilities and you'd be able to have USC, you know, recruits and stuff walk across the street and check them out because we just don't even know where all that stuff's going to be right now. Yeah. And, and legally, I don't know if you could do that either, Ryan. It's, uh, like having, uh, excessive entertainment, they may call it. You know, there's only certain things you can do and, in a recruiting weekend, there's only so many dollars you can spend in this and that. And again, it's, uh, an advantage. The teams that don't have an NFL team in their city don't have that advantage. So sometimes they feel, well, you can't do that because other schools don't have that. So I don't really know legally what the rule is on that, but uh, that is not what's going to make a difference as far as bringing players to USC, being the Rams in LA. I don't think that'll have a thing to do with it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. But yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. It's more competition. Uh, but having a guy like TJ McDonald back playing, you know, in the Coliseum, I, you know, I think all that stuff can, can kind of help, but it's, it's more important that USC puts guys in the NFL than just having, I think, an NFL team around. But I think overall, it's a positive for USC. There'll be, you know, additional revenue streams to help get the Coliseum renovations. Maybe they'll change some of them. The, some of the more unpopular things that were going on with the renovation. So we'll see. Um, it should be interesting. I'm, I'm happy that, that football, I, I actually did a piece up on uscfootball.com and laramsreport.com about my first, uh, NFL experience in Los Angeles. Um, just when I was uh, in college and broke and the, the Rams were playing, I'm sorry, the uh, Raiders were in the Coliseum playing, uh, the Bengals in a playoff game. It was actually Bo Jackson's last game. And we were just watching it in the, like the dorm room couch. And, uh, I was like, my buddy and I were like, let's just go watch, walk the game, walk over, walk the game. So we scalped tickets like late first quarter and end up watching the game. And it was kind of crazy. And, uh, but it was fun, you know, just having that kind of experience is something that's, it's great when you're in a city that has the NFL. And for the last 21 years, you know, a whole generation of young people never had that experience. You know, people in college now don't remember having, an NFL team in Los Angeles. So I know, I know a lot of our listeners don't only care about college. They don't care about, but I, you know, it's, it's all part of the culture and I'm, I'm excited to have NFL back in LA. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing, Ryan, that they're going to renovate first. And I think it's going to be a must. The first thing they're going to break ground on is, are the new locker rooms. So you can't put an NFL team in the locker rooms in the Coliseum. So I think that's going to be the first thing they're going to demand or they're going to start working on is they got to, freshen up or whatever they have to do to the locker rooms to accommodate the NFL teams. I know they did it at the Rose Bowl. They spent $22 million just on the locker rooms in the Rose Bowl alone, alone to be able to have big games there and, and host a Super Bowl if they had to or whatever. So one thing for sure, you've been in the locker rooms at the uh, Coliseum. Uh, they, are, yeah. they are special. Antiquated. They are special. <laughs> Antiquated for sure. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's one thing they're going to have to start on first, and that'll be part of the deal as far as the rental agreement. Okay, well let's uh, let's move on. We got some some other questions and topics. Uh, the next couple questions are about assistant coaches, and uh, you know what? Why don't I just go over real quick uh, who's on the staff right now and uh, what we're hearing? So Clay Helton, obviously the head coach, 
He brings in John Baxter, special teams coordinator. Uh, Ronnie Bradford, uh, comes in. He's going to coach the secondary. He came in from Louisiana Tech. Baxter, obviously from Michigan, was at USC before. Uh, Neil Calloway and Tyson Helton both come in from Western Kentucky. Um, Neil Calloway is going to coach the offensive line. Tyson Helton, quarterbacks and passing game coordinator, originally announced as running backs and passing game coordinator, but that's not happening. Now, so he's now quarterbacks and pass game coordinator. T. Martin is the offensive coordinator and will coach wide receivers. Uh, Johnny Nansen is the kind of mystery guy, right? They list him as a running backs coach, um, run game coordinator and assistant head coach. We've everything we've heard is that he's going to move over the defensive side of the football. One of the prospects that was visiting said he was going to coach linebackers. Someone else was saying he would coach defensive line. We have not got an official announcement yet, so that's kind of up in the air. Uh, Clancy Pendergast comes over from the 49ers, will be the defensive coordinator. Um, so those are the uh, permanent assistant coaches right now. There's still two open spots. It looks like my guess is, Coach, it's going to be one running back coach. Um, because Johnny Edson will move the defense and then either defensive line or, uh, linebacker coach, um, depending on which position Johnny Nansen takes, we've heard both. Um, it's been kind of, I guess they're kind of being deliberate, I guess you could say coach about what, um, you know, who's getting hired and, and where people are going. Um, but I don't know, maybe kind of, before we jump into some of the questions, maybe kind of get your thoughts on how the staff is kind of put together so far. Well, just like you mentioned, uh, there's a little chaos going on when you don't know if Johnny Manson's going to coach the running backs or the defensive line or the linebackers. You've been around a guy here for, for a couple of years. You're not sure where he's going to coach or even if he's going to stay at USC. Uh, I mean, you have your big recruiting weekends this past weekend, and you don't even have a defensive line coach. You don't have a linebacker coach. And, and you're at this time when you're about five or six weeks after Clay helped became the head coach at USC. Uh, sort of uh, surprising to me. Don't get me wrong, ladies and gentlemen. But I think that's the first thing you have to do is accomplish and put your staff together so that you can go out and recruit. Your new coaches can be accustomed with the uh, players that are there and also get to know all the recruiting, uh, recruitment and the players that have been recruited and maintain their verbal commits and decide whether you're going to maintain those players, evaluate those players, or if you're going to walk in those players or slow play those players. And maybe if you're the type of coach that comes in, you might have a few players that might want to go with you. If you came from programs where they're recruiting the same caliber of football player that it takes to win at USC, I haven't heard of any players that possibly would want to come to USC because of any of the coaches that were hired. Not that they aren't great coaches. They certainly have uh, a background. Callaway has a background as far as coaching at, uh, at, uh, at Auburn, played at Alabama, coached at Alabama, and all of that. But I don't know how impressive it is to tell a, a Southern or a kid in Southern California that you're getting a coach from Western Kentucky or Clay Helton's brother from Western Kentucky. Yet they, they went 12 and 2 last year at Western Kentucky, threw the ball around, scored a lot of points, but a lot of people here in Southern California have never heard of Western Kentucky. Same with Ronnie, uh, uh, uh what's his name? Bradford. Baker, the, Bradford. Huh? Yeah, the Bradford, the uh, defensive secondary coach, yeah. Louisiana Tech. I mean, that that's impressive maybe uh, in the South. They did coach with Pentagrass and Cal several years ago. Did play and coach and played in the Super Bowl. 
but you know, coming from there out here, very unfamiliar with the high school coaches, uh, the networking that needs to be done to recruit players. It's more or less uh, coaches helping coaches and coaches being able to be confident that these coaches will take care of their players. I don't think right now they have that type of staff that they've hired currently, except for T. Martin, who's maintaining Clay Helton. And Clay Helton is liked a lot by high school coaches and high school players. But you've got to maintain the networking of what happens in recruiting. And uh, not to have a USC graduate on your staff is something that I think is questionable. I think you need to have someone so if a former player, past player walks on the field or a past coach walks on the field, that somebody on the field recognizes him or goes over and says, come over and get in the huddle with us or walk around. Or You don't have to stay in the baby playpen over there with the media people and and be able to walk around and, and feel accepted back to the Trojan family. So I'm really interested to see who's going to be the defensive line coach. I really am. And this past weekend, and I, Ryan, I, I read it, I don't know, but I read it on your site that uh, Raheem Gray was here, the number one player in America in high school, okay, high school football, visited, and his mother uh, was interviewed and said how much he loved USC. Now, they still have to go to Michigan, but I got a feeling it's between Michigan and USC from the interview that I heard. And he liked it here. He liked the players that he was around. Uh, she questioned the only thing she didn't like. She loved Clay Helton was that she didn't have a chance to talk to the defensive line coach, had no idea who the defensive line coach was going to be, and only had five minutes with the defensive coordinator. Now, when you have the number one, the number one, and this is what I read, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know this, but if you have the number one defensive lineman in the country here, and it's a point, a player, or a position that you need to have on your defense, I would think there'd be some emphasis by the defensive coordinator and Clancy Pendergrass, I know you got to move. I know you've got a lot of things going on. But this is your future. I mean, I would have told a guy, let me go to the hotel with you. Let me take you to the airport. Let me do whatever I need to do to let you know that, hey, I want to treat you like my son. I have time for you, son. And I would talk to him about who the defensive line coach might be and all of the above. So I'm being critical on this. Yes, I am. Because when you have a chance to recruit the number one high school player in America. I'm talking about all positions. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan. And you don't have someone there to represent the defensive side of the football, and this is what this kid plays, and you've got your coordinator there. I can't see what's more important for the defensive coordinator to do but to spend a whole weekend with this kid. And I'm just saying that. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. And, of course, we want it all to be the best. And I'm trying not to be what you call negative, but I'm trying to be honest by saying exactly what I see so far. But, of course, this is Clay Helton's staff. You're only as good as what surrounds you, and you've got to know what it takes to get it done. And I'll tell you, in the Pac-12, it's not an easy conference to get it done. There's a lot of pressures. And uh, I said it, and I'll say it again. I hope everybody watched Monday night's game this past Monday. The team you saw win the national championship is who you open with. 
So you better get things together in a hurry. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. And you're talking about uh, Rashawn Gary. He's the number one uh, player in the country, defensive lineman. And obviously, USC doesn't have a defensive line coach in place yet. He told um, – his mother talked to uh, Brian Doan from Scout.com, who's a reporter for Scout, and said that they were supposed to have a defensive line coach in place by Wednesday, and they were going to come out and see him. And uh, Clancy Pendergast, yeah, they didn't get to talk very long with the defensive coordinator. I think – I'm not sure when that interview took place, but I think there might have still been some visit time left. So there could have been some more visiting with the defensive coordinator at that point. We're just not really sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny, coach. I think because of, you know, when the, the assistant coaches were fired and you have these people from the support staff kind of coming up and playing a bigger role, I think they played a pretty big role for the official visit weekend too. So it's, it's, uh, it's hard because there's a lot of pieces that are moving and Clay Helton's trying to, he wanted to have all of the, the assistant coaches in place by the time the dead period was over. Well, that was on Thursday. Obviously official visits come right after that on Friday. Uh, through Sunday, and the staff still is not in place yet. So um, there's a lot of balls in the air right now. There's a lot of juggling going on uh, around USC, and you, you, know, you obviously hope you, they get it right and they, you know, get everyone in place they want to. But right now, it's still a uh, work in progress, and you know, we're like two and a half weeks, or not even, I guess, until signing day. And you know, it's got to be a defensive line coach or linebacker coach from the NFL. It's got to be, and it's got to be from one of the four teams that. Or that, that lost this past weekend. Or two teams. It has to be. Uh, because you would already have them in place. So it's either from the Steelers or it's from you know, Seattle or it's from one of these teams that lost. Because, uh, why would you be waiting this long to name a defensive line coach? I mean, it's just, to me, it's puzzling. And, you know, it might not be puzzling to everybody else, but to me, it's very puzzling. Well, uh, we have Evander from Elk Grove. He actually kind of had a question along this line. He said, uh, does Clancy Pendergast have any favorite defensive line coaches, which he has worked with in the past and might be targeting now? It's clear he picked the new defensive back coach. What is on Clancy's radar, do you think, for the defensive line coach? Thanks for the juice, uh, Evander. And that, you know, actually that brings up a good point there, coach, that, um, I don't think Clay Helton wanted to hire defensive assistants until he had the defensive coordinator in place, and now that he does, it, you know, I think Clancy Pendergast, obviously, Ronnie Bradford is someone he worked with in the past. I think, you know, Pendergast has if maybe not full autonomy, but I mean, certainly uh, a say in who gets hired for the defensive assistant coaching positions. Well, you know, uh, I don't know, and I don't know who he has in place. We just discussed that, but there's a thought, too, that he might want to coach the linebackers. Himself, he likes to coach a position. I don't know if he's said if he's going to coach a position or not. Since he has a defensive secondary coach now, he might coach the linebackers and hire a defensive line coach. And maybe this, the other coach, whoever that might be, might assist uh, him with outside linebackers or have a safety coach. I don't know what they're doing, but no one has sat down and explained it or tried to explain it. That's why when we discuss it on this podcast or other shows, it's because we're just assuming because no one's laying it out for us. And I don't know if it's supposed to be a secret or not, but uh, it seems to have been a secret the entire time, going even back to when he got the job and let all the coaches go, let them all go, took a whole new staff down to the Holiday Bowl, did that, then came back and let other people go. Didn't even make any sense to me. 
I mean, why not keep your whole staff together, coach down there, win a bowl game, then come home and make the decision who's staying and who's going. But so it's all been, to me, like a puzzle where the pieces don't fit. But I'm hoping at the end all of this puzzle comes out and fits the correct way. Yeah, I think a lot. I think a lot of people agree with you, Coach. It's been uh, it's been interesting, and you know we'll see. A lot of balls in the air for uh, Clay Hilton to be juggling. He's going to try to get it all settled down, get through signing day, and then obviously start preparing for his very first spring football practice as the head coach of USC. Um, let's go to Tarek. He had a question. The last time Clancy Pendergast was defensive coordinator, you mentioned that USC did not have the corners to run man coverage. 80 to 90% of the time, as Pendergast likes to do. Do you think that USC has the corner slash safeties to run man often and blitz often as the 5-2 scheme calls for? That's from Tarek. You know, I really question that. I don't think you can play man all the time. I think you've got to mix it up, but I think you've got to be able to play man when you go after people and have confidence in it. Uh Sometimes I think they do, and then sometimes I think they don't when I see the separation that the receivers of other teams get on them and the catches they make on them and the confusion that's going on in the secondary. I sometimes wonder, especially when you don't get to the quarterback and you're playing man, you can't cover all day. And uh, then sometimes when they play like a McCaffrey from Stanford and you're asking a linebacker to cover him, that doesn't happen. Ask Iowa. just didn't happen. With USC, it happened with everybody. So when you play a team like Stanford, it's pretty tough to play man, but that means you got a man up too with McCaffrey. And you're just one short. So, uh, I think you can play man, but again, I'm doubting it. I, I, I just don't know, first of all, if Marshall's a corner. You've heard me talk about that all the time. He's, I think, too stiff and he's big and he wants to hit you more than cover you. I think he plays 100%. Now, don't get me wrong. He's great on the run, kind of up and stopping the run. I'm not quite sure. I'm watching some of the other corners play. They can make a great play, and then they can just get beat. Uh, you've got to have shutdown corners. You've got to have guys that challenge the receivers and want to play it all the time, talk all the time to the receivers, and have the confidence that they can cover you. I'm not quite sure with the rotations and the number of corners that play at USC that I see two corners that just stay in the game all the time and play. There's always a rotation going on. You never know for sure who's going to start where, except for Dory Jackson and Marshall this past year, but I don't know what happened with Seymour and others. I don't know. Uh, So, you know. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Like Sua Craven, I always thought he was a safety, not a linebacker. So I hope that's not something that holds him back in the draft. So I think you've got to play players at positions that fit the scheme, and your better players have the opportunity of playing both sides of the field when they're in the middle of the field, and you don't uh, have a position for him where people run away from you. So we'll see what happens. Uh, that's the best way I can answer it. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, I've seen them get beat a lot, and I've seen people out there in the wide open a lot. So then I've seen them play great. So I don't think I've seen the consistency that I need to see to say you can play man all the time. Plus, you've got to be able to cover the great backs that come out in the backfield and run to the open area. 
All right. Uh, let's go to Kevin in Nashville, Tennessee, where my wife is from. He says, when USC plays Alabama next fall, one of the more intriguing matchups will be Kiffin versus Pendergast. It's even more interesting since they work together and know the ins and outs of how each other operate. Can you please ask Coach Hyde to preview how he thinks Kiffin and Pendergast will prepare and scheme against each other, and how will the 5-2 defense of Pendergast attack the pro-style offense with spread wrinkles uh, from Lane Kiffin, and who do you think and who does Coach Harvey Hyde give the edge to? Thanks and fight on. Kevin in Nashville, Tennessee. Well, I give the edge to Alabama. Uh, you have to. They're, they're national champions. They got their complete coaching staff back. They lost their defensive coordinator. But it took him about a day and a half to hire a new defensive coordinator, so they're not going to drop off that much. <laughs> so, you know, they got their thing going on, and Nick Saban's on top of everything. So they've got already a head start in recruiting as far as getting ready, and they've already got their offense in place, their defense in place. USC still has to do all that, and USC still has to find a starting quarterback and teach the new techniques to the new, if they're going to run a new offense. They say they're not, but I don't know what they're going to, what tweaks they're going to make to it, and a new defense, and make sure you get your players in the right position for the new defense. So there's no question Alabama's ahead of USC right now. This is one reason I keep talking about, hey, guys, let's speed this up. Let's get this thing going. Let's get the coaches in place. You've got spring practice. You've got off-season training to do. And, and you know, you got to decide, are you going to keep the same strength coach? I've never heard him talk about the strength coach or what he's going to do in that position. As far as did he have the coaches or the players in shape? Does he do your type of training that you believe in and all of the above? But that's something he's probably already addressed. But I haven't heard him say that the strength program is going to be the same. Maybe you have, Ryan. I haven't heard that. But as far as being a head football coach, when you come in, you're in charge of all that. All of that is under you. From the strength coaches, the entire strength staff, to the GAs, to the part-time coaches, to everything. And uh, I don't know just how many decisions have been made there. Even your secretary, that's your, your decision. Do I keep who my executive secretary is or do I want my own? All of these things have to be decided, and they've got to be done quickly. And, you know, you've got to be able to do this moving on. Not, And it's hard because you know a lot of these people, but you've got to do what's best for your job and what's best for the university. And I think you've got to get started on thinking about Alabama. Because I'll tell you what, if you don't think about them, it'll be embarrassing. Because, uh, you know, you recruit against them, first of all. You're going to be on the national scene. On the national scene, you certainly don't want to embarrass yourself. So you better get yourself ready to go. But as far as an advantage, wow, Alabama's got to step up on everybody or most of the people in the country. But there's no question, last Monday, the two best teams in the country played. And if I was a head football coach on that level, USC, UCLA, Stanford, Alabama, all these different schools around the country, Texas, I would watch that game. And I would say, how far are we behind those guys in our program? Where are we? If we play those guys, where are we? Do, can we play with those guys? Do we have the players that can play that? Do we play at that speed? Where are we with our program? Because I'll tell you, USC's going to play one of them, the one that won. And you've got to raise your intensity. You've got to raise your training. You've got to raise everything to play at that level. And after the game, you'll find out 
just where you are, too. Because Alabama takes the USC game seriously, too. And Kiffin does. And how do you match up with Kiffin? Well, Kiffin's going to try to do exactly what he did the entire year. He has now got a different philosophy. Kiffin has grown up under Nick Saban. He's been coaching with somebody now who has helped Lane become a better football coach. He really has. He's been a, like a father image to Lane Kiffin. You can see him talk to him on the sideline. You can hear him listen to what he's telling the players. Kiffin has gotten tougher mentally, too, as far as the physical type of football that Alabama plays. He runs the football, and he believes he runs the football. If he doesn't run the football enough, he's got that guy looking over his shoulder telling him, hey, get away from these bubble screens and all this stuff that he was doing earlier and the mismatches. Now, I'm not sure that tight end is back, but you better have an answer for him, too, but they discovered him in the national championship <laughs> game. They certainly did. And they, they certainly have, and they got a great receiver back, too, so you better think what corner is going to cover him because he's one of the top receivers in the country. So, And they just announced their best tight end is coming back. Allen, I think his name is, for his next year of eligibility, his senior year. So with those type of announcements, USC better be ready. All right, Coach. Uh, a lot of talk about USC-Alabama, I'm sure, over the next uh, several months. So we'll, we'll keep talking about that. Uh, Gene in Orange County has our last question of the day for the Peristyle Podcast. Says many thanks for your excellent work over the holidays, keeping us informed and updated. Uh, after listening to the podcast and the questions expressing their either support or pessimism of the hiring of Clay Helton, I realize there is an expectation based on the previous success during Pete Carroll's tenure here. With the expectation of PC's first and last seasons, the team was always in the national champ. With I'm sorry, with the exception of PC's first and last seasons, the team was always in the national championship conversation. By his third season and his recruiting talent in place, he won the AP National Championship. So, with the current talent on the team, the number one recruiting class last year, and a new staff, the expectation would seem to be not just vying for the Pac-12 South crown, but much higher goals. No one's expecting an undefeated season or a one-loss season. However, with greater talent comes greater goals, which I'm sure Clay Helton understands. The question is, does he have the vision? PC was not an X and O guru, but what he did have in spades was a vision for the entire program, which led to unprecedented success uh, enjoyed during his time at USC. Does Clay Helton have that vision, given the talent present on the team now? I know this is a wait-and-see period, but do you or anyone have any thoughts on this? Gene from Orange County. Well, you know, I hope he does. I spend a lot of time with ex-players that play at USC. I had Sam Cunningham on my show the other night. Had a good talk with Ron Gary. Uh, these are guys that uh, used to look forward to football games. and They talk very intelligently about the game of football and the tradition of USC football and the belief and how it year after year it just kept coming out. Maybe it differed a bunch of guys, but the same product. And those guys watching them and made sure that those guys understood the responsibilities of playing football at USC. Now I'm not sure that that same level of importance may be there or how people look at USC football. And I think that you have to have that inbred 
in you to understand the emotional pride of what it is to be a Trojan as far as from playing, growing up as a Trojan, going to the Trojan games, beating people, getting the extra R yard, the hits that you need to do, the dedication you have to do, and the belief in the program and wanting to play the best teams in America. And these guys had that. I, I think I've told you this on the podcast when I talked with John Bonieri. He said, Coach, all I did was think about is how much I was going to hurt the guy on Saturday. That's all I wanted to think about is how much I wanted him to surrender. Sam Cunningham told me he just couldn't wait to block because they ran a lot of blast at that time. Take on and find out just how tough the linebacker was going to be from the other team. He looked forward to seeing who would win that collision play after play after play. I asked him who was the toughest linebacker ever blocked. He says at SC, John Papadakis. He says as far as another team on the road, it was a linebacker at Rice, who we ended up being on the same team at New England. But there is a tradition there that should be every year another group represents the university. Every year that team represented to play for a national championship. And right now, that's what's happening in Alabama. Right now, they are starting just another group, another group, another group. Sam told me that when they went to Alabama, they thought they were tough and strong and physical. When we were through with them, they found out they weren't we were. And that's when Bear Bryant made the change because he saw it himself that that was not what he saw was the real deal. And I think that's what I say here. Uh, do they have that same commitment and belief? And, and maybe they need to have some of these guys come in and talk and allow them to stage of talking about what it means to be and what you're re representing. Because I don't know if these kids understand that today. And I think they've got to understand that to be able to play like that. I do. And coach like that. Well, coach, great stuff. Really appreciate you coming on and, uh, doing our first podcast out of my new office here. So we'll, we'll make it better. We'll make it sound a little bit better. We're just, uh, working on some of the details, but thanks again, coach. Lots of great stuff. Rams coaching, Alabama, all kinds of good stuff, but we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks, buddy. All right. Everyone else. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle podcast. We have a quick message here from our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Thanks so much. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, Concert, Sports, and Theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.